feuds, marital discord, and a seemingly endless barrage of bizarre events. All of these things happened during the making of Don't Worry Darling, but let's talk about the movie. Hello everybody and welcome to my review for Don't Worry Darling, which hit theaters yesterday here in the domestic market. I was on vacation. This is my first video back, which is why I'm a little late in getting my review up. But the trade-off is that I'm going to discuss the movie first without spoilers and then with spoilers. Because a large part of my discussion on this movie has to do with what happens in the last act. So if you haven't seen the movie, stay tuned for the first half of this review. If you have seen the movie and you want to talk about what happened then stay tuned for the second half. So let's get started with the non-spoiler part of this review. Don't Worry Darling is the second film directorially from Olivia Wilde. Her debut feature was 2019's Book Smart, which is a movie that I really, really enjoyed. Olivia Wilde reteams with writer Katie Silberman for this film. Silberman also wrote the comedies Isn't It Romantic and set it up with an original story from brothers Carrie and Shane Van Dyke, whose original spec script started a bidding war back in 2019. Florence Pugh and Harry Styles star in Don't Worry Darling as Alice and Jack, a happy couple living in an idyllic but completely isolated 1950s community. While Jack spends his days working on something called the Victory Project, Alice cooks, cleans, and gossips with the other wives, except about the fact that none of them know what exactly the Victory Project is, or what their husbands do there, or why anyone who questions the Victory Project mysteriously disappears. As Alice begins to experience bizarre visions, her fairy tale life begins to crack, and she finds herself at odds with the charismatic head of victory, Frank, played by Chris Pine in a role that he is perfectly suited for. Jack, it's okay. I'm curious to hear where she's going with this. I won't say much more about the plot without going into spoilers, but I will say that my biggest issue with Don't Worry Darling is the screenplay, and specifically the fact that I think it spends about 75% of the movie's runtime with what would be Act 1, which is that Alice is seeing these strange things, something is very obviously amiss with the Victory Project, and we don't know what, and we repeat that beat over and over and over again. I'm all for a movie that's a slow burn, but there's a certain point if you're building tension, if you keep repeating those beats, you're actually doing the opposite. You're deflating the tension. And while I was very engaged with what was potentially going on in this crazy town for the first, I'll say 30 or 45 minutes, as the movie kept going on and not revealing anything more, I got a little restless. The last two acts of the movie are squeezed into the last 40 to 45 minutes of the runtime, and then I thought the movie ended at the point at which it started to get really, really interesting. When well executed, I think that a mystery can entice audiences with questions the first time they're seeing the film, and then reward them the second time they're seeing the movie with all of these different clues that were sprinkled throughout. I don't think that Don't Worry Darling is going to hold up to any kind of a second viewing, because if anything, the reveals of the second and third act make the movie more confusing, not less confusing. And I'll get to some of these specific questions later on in the review. But a lot of the things that happen early in the film are red herrings, but not in the good way. They're there to create an artificial shroud of mystery that the movie isn't able to satisfactorily pay off. 
Don't Worry Darling is a well-made film on a technical level. The look is really solid. It has a lush and antiseptic look when needed, but also a dirty and grimy feel when called for. It's even more great work from Darren Aronofsky's cinematographer of choice, Matthew Libatique. I also think that Olivia Wilde has a firm grasp on the language of cinema as a director. She's able to effectively craft a tone of mystery and suspense stylistically. But the story just isn't really there. And by the end of the movie, I kind of thought of Don't Worry Darling as one of the empty eggshells that Florence Pugh discovers at some point in the first hour of the movie. It's something that's interesting, but when you examine it and squeeze it, there's nothing inside. Florence Pugh may be the least visible member of the cast on the publicity tour, but she is the MVP of the cast on screen. The character of Alice is central to this movie's success, and if Florence Pugh didn't deliver, this movie would be a disaster. As it is, I think that Pugh puts in a really strong performance in service of a flimsy payoff, and let's be honest here, both on screen and off screen, I think that Florence Pugh deserves so much better than this movie in so many ways. Chris Pine is also a standout as the mysterious founder of the Victory Project, Frank. Charming one minute and sinister the next, he really oozes the kind of killer charisma that this movie needs. And the best scene in this movie is a kind of delicate showdown between Frank and Alice over the dinner table after Frank encourages Alice to keep asking questions about the Victory Project. He's using all of us. Do you even know what the Victory Project actually is? Have you ever asked? Do you? Is that why you went out there? And I think that this movie would have been so much better if that relationship had been the central one in the movie. If it had been about Frank, the founder of Victory, and Alice, its main critic, and this sort of battle of the wills. We get a little bit of it in the movie, but not nearly enough. And instead, the central relationship is between Alice and her husband, Jack, who's played by Harry Styles. Harry Styles' performance is not the disaster that I have seen described elsewhere, but I don't think it's particularly impressive either. He shouts well, but I think he otherwise fails to hit the notes that are necessary to play a character like Jack, who's as eager to stay in victory as Alice is to leave it. At one point, there is a very extended scene where Frank makes Jack dance for essentially the whole town, and it started to feel like a very cruel metaphor for real life. We see Harry Styles, who is forced to show off his best moves, drenched in flop sweat for a crowd waiting for him to fail, while at the same time, Florence Pugh vents about a genuine grievance away from the rest of the cast. I'm not saying that Harry Styles' performance in this movie is a failure, but I wouldn't exactly deem it a success either. So if you want to stay completely spoiler-free on Don't Worry Darling, then I'll say in summary that I thought that this movie was full of interesting parts that were in search of a hole that wasn't there. Some would say that the movie was hurt by the real-life drama that was surrounding it. I would say that the drama around Don't Worry Darling attracted far more attention to this film than it would have merited otherwise. So those are the last of my thoughts without going into specific spoilers. I'm going to talk about the big twist in the movie. So if you haven't seen the movie or you care about getting spoiled on the twist, now would be the time to exit because we are going to start talking about the third act, second and third act really of this film right now. So let's start with the concept of the twist, which is that the Victory Project is actually a simulation and that Alice has actually been pretty much kidnapped and forced to live as this avatar, this 1950s housewife, so that Jack can get to live out his fantasy as the husband who's the breadwinner, who's adored by his wife, when in real life he's kind of a loser. 
And talking about the concept of this twist, I actually don't have a problem with the idea of it. I, I think the concept of men taking women, essentially subjugating them, and putting them into this life as the 1950s housewife, I think that is a very interesting idea. It's an interesting concept. It's just that the movie doesn't do anything interesting with it. When it comes to a twist like this, the reveal for me isn't the important part. You can do any kind of plot twist that you want. The follow through is what counts. Really, when you have a plot twist like this, it should illuminate certain parts of the movie, some of these mysteries that you've been setting up, but I think it actually complicated a lot of them more than they were before. A great example of this is Jimmy Chan's character of Shelly, who's Frank's wife. Uh, as Alice attempts to escape, Shelly stabs Frank in the chest and she says, stupid man, now it's my turn. Which in itself is a shocking moment. You don't expect Shelly to do that. You don't expect Frank to die like that. But when you dig down into it, what does it mean? Was Shelly in on it? Was she resentful of Frank's power? Did she want to run victory? Was she herself a captive who just broke free? Was Frank running things incompetently? Is that why he's stupid? What is it her turn to do? You could go any direction with this character, but the movie neither provides setup nor answers to anything beyond this one moment. It's a shocking moment with absolutely nothing behind it. And that's largely what I felt about the movie as a whole. Frank and Victory are such interesting characters and concepts that I would have loved to have learned so much more about. What was Frank like in the real world? Is he a rich monster? Is he a poor loser? We hear that he has some kind of a YouTube presence, that he's got his messaging out there to all of these different men. How was this world achieved? Where did the other men come from? Who did they capture to be their wives? We spent so much time in victory, getting these repeat beats of atmosphere and mystery and these strange goings on. But when it came time to really do the legwork, and when I actually got interested in the movie, what's going to happen to Alice? What's the story behind victory? What is the payoff to any of these other characters? The movie didn't do any of that work. Olivia Wilde's character of Bunny was actually a great potential foil and, and a fascinating character. Here's a woman who knew what was happening in Victory and for selfish reasons, because she wanted to live with her kids, allowed dozens of other women or more to be brainwashed and subjugated for weeks, months, we don't really know, and didn't say anything to anyone about it. All of this is addressed in one scene before we literally race to the end of the movie. And we have people like Bunny and Frank and even Jack that could have been such complicated characters. And yet you leave so much with all of them on the table that it leaves me wanting more, but not in the good way. Not in the way of like, oh, I hope they make another Don't Worry Darling because I was so satisfied with this one that I'd like to know more about this world. More in the sense of, I think they've really squandered this opportunity and left a lot of stuff not told that should have been told. Now, I think that you can end a movie on a big twist. For example, The Sixth Sense, one of the best examples of this. The big Bruce Willis reveal happens about three minutes before the end credit roll, but the reason that works is because you realize that they've been setting that up for the entire movie right under your nose so that when you rewind the movie in your head, you understand how this is a satisfying story. That doesn't happen with Don't Worry Darling. When I rewind Don't Worry Darling in my head, all of the stuff that happened earlier in the movie just seems like a time waster in order to prolong this atmosphere of mystery and suspense. And I'm left with so many different questions. For example, why are these strange things happening to Alice? Is it a side effect of the treatment? And if so, why are she and Margaret the only two that experience it? What's the significance of the red airplane? 
Margaret's son had a red plane toy. Alice saw a vision of a red plane crashing. Is that meaningful in any way? What's the medication that was given by the doctor to both Margaret and Alice? And how is it supposed to help? Because it's fake. And if it's not real medication, of course it wouldn't help them. If it was real medication, then why didn't Jack just give it to Alice in the real world? And why did the doctor have a redacted medical file for Margaret in his briefcase if the briefcase wasn't real and Margaret was dead? Did Jack just work a menial job in the real world? Because he comes home in the middle of the day one time, so it seems like Victory somehow could contact him if he didn't work for Victory. And how did all of the other husbands all work jobs that required them to go to work at the exact same time every day and apparently work the same shift? Is Victory powerful in the real world? Because Alice is told that they would be coming after her real body, but who is they? And what are the weird earthquakes that happen in Victory almost every day? Are they just part of the program? to convince the wives that their husbands are working? Also, why would Frank encourage Alice to keep asking questions if that could possibly lead to her escape? Was he testing the system in some way? And why didn't Alice escape the first time that she went to headquarters? And once Alice did escape, how was she going to get away? She's tied to a bed next to a guy who's now dead. Did they live in an apartment building? And also, did nobody come looking for Alice? Did nobody think it was weird that she disappeared from her job one day as a doctor for some unknown period of time? And what about all of the other women? I'm presuming that most of them are also missing. Did nobody go looking for any of them or make any connection to the fact that they've been kidnapped by either their husbands or boyfriends or weird, creepy guys? Nobody was found. No link was ever found to this program? And let me be clear, not every movie can answer every single question that comes up or else each movie would end with like 30 minutes of dialogue of someone just looking straight into camera and explaining every intricacy. But great movies are structured and executed in a way that you don't care about the answers to these unanswered questions. They're not critical to the success of the film. Here, I think that these movies aren't complete without the answers to these questions and yet the movie makes no attempt to answer any of them. And I also want to say that I'm not judging this movie for what it's not. I'm judging it for what it is, which was a somewhat predictable mystery that didn't really have much behind it. I suspected about 45 minutes in that we were not living in the victory that was being presented to us, and I figured that we were probably somehow in the modern day. Largely because anytime a movie keeps on stressing that we're in the idyllic 1950s, I start to believe you less and less that we are actually in the idyllic 1950s. Not that the 1950s were that idyllic anyway. Ultimately, I think that Don't Worry Darling could be a cautionary tale, not about any of the off-screen drama. I don't really know what's going on with any of that, and quite frankly, I don't care about most of it, except whether or not Chris Pine was spat upon by Harry Styles. I need an immediate and categorical answer to that question. All the other stuff, don't really care. What I do think this movie could be a cautionary tale about, though, is the dangers of investing a movie or a story too much in the cleverness of a twist, because that's what I feel like happened with this movie. You had a roster of pretty good actors, some better than others. You had great people working behind the camera. There was a lot of talent. There was a lot of money behind this film. And yet it seemed like when it came to the script, all of the trust went into the twist of the movie and the symbolism of that twist without how it services the rest of the story. You will hear me talk about this in so many different reviews. For me, it is all about story, story, story. No matter what the genre is, if it's an animated film, it could be the simplest story in the world. If it's executed well, I'm probably going to like the movie. It could be the most complicated story in the world. If it's executed well, I'm probably going to like the movie. Great movies almost always are great stories, and that's what was missing from don't worry darling first and foremost it's just another example that you can have everything in the world going for you but if you're not saying something interesting then it's going to be very hard 
for your movie to succeed. So those are my thoughts, both spoiler and non-spoiler on Don't Worry Darling. What did you think? Did you already check out the movie? Were there Harry Styles fans in your screening? I've heard reports from all around that uh, there were legions of Harry Styles fans that may have disrupted or perhaps added to the atmosphere for many screenings. That wasn't the case when I went to see the film. Let me know down in the comments below. And as always, thank you so much for watching me here on the channel. I'll be back next week with more box office news. I'll also have up-to-date stuff on the streaming shows, movies that are coming out, entertainment news, you name it. Thanks for spending part of your day here with me. Until next time, stay safe, and I'll see you then. Bye.